Hi, I'm Professor Beckstra. And I'm Professor Eric Bronson, and you're listening to Prison Breakdown. Two, three, break! Eat the spoilers, fun, but we're gonna bust out of here! Two, three, break! Breakdown is back. We are back and better than ever. <laughs> with with new equipment, back, a new editor, a new producer, this is going to be fantastic. We can just hear it in our silky smooth delivery. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> yes. And uh, we are welcoming to the podcast. Producer Britt. Hello. Hi, everybody. I'm the new producer, I guess. This is fantastic. Love it. We, we hoped... Producer Tommy would live forever, but <laughs> it, it was not to not to be. Yeah, he's moved on to other things, right? Greener pastures, greener pastures, other fishes in the sea. All right. Yes, I, I hope he and Catherine are very happy together. And uh, thank you, producer Britt, for being our new our new dude. Hell yeah, glad to be Absolutely. here. Absolutely. All right. So, Bronson, I hear you have some uh, prison news. Fresh news, hot off the razor wire. Yeah, we have some. We're gonna start off the show by, uh, um, you know, bringing us down, <laughs> talking about a tragedy and yes, in the, our new segment. Yeah, yeah. Starting with some news, recent news, just this past Sunday, in uh, in South Georgia, Smith State Prison. Uh, unfortunately, their uh, correctional officer was murdered. Uh, Robert Clark, who was 42 years old, was escorting two inmates um, from the dining hall. And these two inmates, Leighton Lester and Marco Willingham, um, uh, taking them down to, uh, it says he was just walking them down a the hallway. And what happened, Leighton Lester uh, assaulted him from behind. And ended up uh, attacking both Robert Clark, the correctional officer, and the other inmate, Marco Willingham, who tried to step in and assist. Um, and Clark and Willingham were both taken to the hospital. Clark uh, had only been working at the Department of Corrections since April. That's not a very long time. And uh, unfortunately, he passed away due to the injuries suffered from um, Robert Clark's a- a- attack. So, um, it's one of those one of those stories where we can see the reality of working in the criminal justice system. There's always a, a dangerous side to it, and unfortunately, uh, for Robert Clark and his family, um, uh, this inmate who who was convicted of murder and being incarcerated for murder um, will definitely be brought up on other charges. Um, but this is a, a real tragedy um, in, in the Department of Corrections down in Georgia. That is absolutely horrific. And do we have any information on how he was able to, I guess, break free enough to? It just sounds like he would assault the officers. It, it, the story that's that I'm, that I'm reading um, 
is just saying that uh, um, that he was just escorting these two down the hallway uh, from the dining hall. Uh, doesn't doesn't state what the uh, what the weapon was. It, I, I would I would venture to guess that there was some shank or some prison made weapon involved, but uh, it's hard to uh, hard to guess without the further investigation. And obviously, the Georgia Department of Corrections will be looking into this. And they said that uh, actually it will be the Georgia Bureau of Investigation that will be conducting the the investigation on this. So, yeah, sure. It's hard to know, but also it's it's. Um, I think back to my time as a corrections officer, and there's so many so many procedures that you would have to follow for certain dangerous inmates. Yeah, they'd have to be cuffed, potentially put them in leg irons, that kind of thing, and I wonder how if, if this inmate was deemed dangerous, like yeah, what, then what happened that that uh, allowed this to happen? Yeah, it doesn't doesn't say. Oh, I'm found another article that says from behind with a homemade weapon. So, um, oh. it, you know, you you would think it would be hard for someone like an officer who was only working there for a few months to already build up a um, you know, any beef or something, the real negativity with with inmates, but who knows, maybe you never know what's going to set, set an inmate off. But, uh, but yeah, so it says he was previously convicted of a 2007 murder and armed robbery and has been incarcerated since, uh, since 2010, according to the department of corrections, uh, webpage. So, um, you know, it's hard to think, it, you know, this is a maximum security prison, medium security prison that, probably moving around in general, you know, moving them from dining hall to back to general population, you know, that a lot of these individuals are just out there with you. Um, are the dangers of the job. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe we can move yeah, on to some, something so routine. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But maybe we can move on to a, a, a brighter topic. I don't know how much brighter it's going to be since we're talking about <laughs> The food system, but obviously, yeah, yeah. Next, next time, next, next, next. Right, let, let's make happy prison news next time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll <laughs> talking about how an inmate was reformed. Right <laughs> next time, I won't start us off, <laughs> you know, with a with a horrible topic. Two, three, break. Eric, producer Britt. The topic of today is the prison food system. Either of you know anything about prison food? I've had a lot of it. It doesn't taste great. <laughs> oh, it's it's not not the best. Brit? Yeah, I watch a lot of uh, YouTube uh, of this guy who like does prison food and he'll make like prison macaroni and cheese, which is really just like ramen and like uh, uh, a craft single boiled down on a radiator until it's cheese. Yeah, it's they, still not they, cheese, but they can get very you know. creative in their cells in uh, terms yeah. of what yeah. they come up with. Um, and how they make stuff it's uh you know takes a takes a lot of, a little bit of creativity yeah. I, I read a cookbook a while back yeah they have like they, they're incredibly creative like like you give these guys a little bit of time to figure out what goes where and they say that they say some of their recipes can rival food on the outside <laughs> well you know the, one of the rehab programs that they can you know in terms of uh education is they can learn how to cook 
Um, you know, they work in the kitchen. So for some of these individuals that, that might be something new for them, but, uh, you know, so they get good at cooking. It's just what they get to create in their cell is, uh, you know, they throw together that food from the commissary and maybe what's stolen from the, from the dining hall and they, they can get pretty creative. It's interesting stuff. Oh, I'm all about it. And yeah, food ends up as one of these, like least talked about least research problems when it comes to how we talk about inhumane treatment towards inmates. And I, I think John Oliver did a report on it a while back, but other than that, I haven't seen any kind of mainstream media coverage, but the bottom line is inmates are dependent on prisons to provide them with basic human needs, like food, shelter, clothing. So food ends up as this other form of punishment within the prison. Often there's different food for inmates versus the correction staff. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, Eric, but some places I've been, they have this pretty great food for correction staff. And then when it comes to inmate food, it is, it's pretty rough. Yeah. So the, the prison I worked at in Kentucky, we ate the, we actually ate in the exact same dining hall as the inmates. So the inmates served us um, over the counter there and we sat down at the tables right next to the, to the inmates. Um, now I have seen it where at the Louisiana state penitentiary down in Angola, where there is a separate dining hall for staff and guests who are people who are touring the prison. And wow, that is a very different experience than the dining hall at the, throughout the institution there. You know, it's, it's such a weird place. It has different dining halls throughout each one of their units. Um, so, um, the, the staff don't eat it at those, at those dining halls. Um, and so, yeah, it is a very different experience for them. Certainly is. And when I was a corrections officer in Washington state, we would be offered the same food as the inmates mm -hmm. as part of our compensation. Yeah. I tried not to eat it. They would call, they called the hamburger patties, break pads, break pads, because <laughs> they look like break pads and they probably tasted like break, break pads. pads. <laughs> They, they were they were rough they were pretty thin they did not really taste like meat it, it was kind of like whatever taco bell uses in there and <laughs> there's I, I think it's it's like 45 percent oats or something like that uh but when it comes to food like in massachusetts prisons i i taught at a couple taught, taught at a, i taught at a prison in massachusetts and i was doing research at another one and they had totally different setup. Uh, they had salad bars. Uh, one had Taco Tuesday. They would have wings. It, Taco it was, Tuesday. When, it, when the, didn't that just, Taco Tuesday. Wasn't there a court case last week that having... was just saw, uh, settled about restaurants being able to use the term Taco Tuesday? I don't know if any of either of you said <laughs> I have no idea. Hit me with it. Yeah, well, yeah. So I figured I, I'd have to look it up to get the specifics, but somebody was suing. Maybe it was Taco Bell. Maybe it was some other taco joint that was trying to claim that Taco Tuesday was there, like they owned a trademark on it. And uh, the court ruled that, no, you don't own the trademark on Taco Tuesday. It's too general of a saying or something. Uh, like I said, I'll have to look it up to get the specifics of it. But yes, the, if, if the uh, Department of Corrections in each state now wants to have an official Taco Tuesday, they can do that. Wow. Did this make it all the way to the Supreme Court? I don't think, no, it wasn't the, it wasn't the I don't think it made it to the, to the, to the Supreme Court, maybe a district court. I don't know. I, like I said, I can't remember um, the specifics of it. I have to look it up. Yeah, these are the kind of court rulings we really should be hearing more about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, let, let's get back to prison. Yeah, so, prison food. Uh, the food, the food that 
the food that typically gets served in prison, it's it's not really physically nourishing. It's not really life affirming. And there's been a lot of reported issues with food. Some of the items that, that have been found in inmate food are maggots, rat tails, metal pieces, cockroaches, and last of all, rocks. Oh, would you would you eat that? Oh yeah, that sounds like like it'd be great on on the teeth. Um, yeah, yeah. R- rank these <laughs> in in order of which one you would like to eat the most. The rocks, right? <laughs> Do a number. <laughs> rocks one. are number number one for me. Too. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, At least it's not a rat tail. Well, here's the, when any time that you've had in you know prison food, did you ever dis- discover anything horrible? I did not discover anything horrible except the food itself. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember ever having a bad experience like that, and which is one of the things that a lot of the staff there at the prison I worked at would say. You know, don't go eat at the dining hall because the inmates are serving you the food. Um, you never know what they're going to do to it. But I, I never ran into any issues with the food, um, or at any of the other prisons I've had food at. It's uh, it's it doesn't seem to be a, a problem, but. Yeah, same here. But it, it's not—it's not good. No, is, is the bottom line. And and we we must recognize for for the purpose of this episode that it is it is an issue. And like in in a study, there was a 2018 study where they they surveyed inmates, and 66 percent of inmates said that they had gotten food that was either spoiled, moldy, infested with bugs. There was something wrong with it to that end. And often this comes from like funding and storage issues for like. Some of some of these results with the food that ends up resulting in like uh, this less fresh produce, some small meals, increases in processed food, and so the, the food ends up kind of gross by by definition. Yeah, and if if you think but they're about also it, not paying a lot, for right? It. And and the other fun thing is if you think about it, it's really just an extension of the American food system that we have this industrialized food system that where everything is highly processed, um, and uh, you know. N- not only do we not have healthy food when you compare us to other post-industrialized countries, um, when you take the prison world, they're getting the lowest end of that. They're getting the, the, the lower end of, of the processed food system, that industrialized prison food system that we have in the United States. And yeah, you, of course, you're going to run into some awful food and you know stuff that's uh, moldy or spoiled, and they're just going to serve it up because you know they're running out of a budget for it or something. Got to got to keep feeding them whatever you got. No, for sure. Yeah. And inmates don't actually get a choice in what what they are served like that. It, it's if if they have some kind of dietary restriction, prisons will will cater to that, or any kind of allergies, prisons will cater to that. But it's not it's not an actual freedom of choice when it comes to food. It's considered part of the punishment. It's considered part of their treatment. And every few years, you'll you'll hear some talking points in the media about oh inmates in prisons are getting served lobster and steak and if they are it might be like a christmas dinner or some total rarity like that but it is it's not any kind of regular yeah they're, they're not served with any kind of regular no and, and and to be honest you know like what was a common meal for us was something like uh um you'd get a you go in line, get a piece of bread, get some saltine crackers and a scoop of pimento cheese. That was a lunch that was consistently served like uh, probably at least every other week. Um, and that was on Tuesday. So it ruined Taco Tuesday for our inmates. We didn't we didn't have that. <laughs> so the Kentucky inmates weren't as fortunate. Now, 
Eric, you're a taller gentleman. Do you think uh, crackers and a scoop of pinto cheese is enough to nourish you for I, lunch? I never ate it, so <laughs> I'm not a <laughs> not a cheese fan. But no, uh, definitely not. I used to uh, take in an extra lunch just in case they were having the highly uh, desired pimento cheese with saltine crackers and bread. But uh, um, you know, kind of felt like. In those days, I'd have to be like the inmates and go back to the office and create my own spread from my from my own uh, my own items I brought in. It's it's tough. And and there's um, when I was working at a, a jail in, in Washington State, I would I talk to Aramark, the food contractor there, and I talked to inmates. There was always a rumor that the meals cost something like sixty seven cents per meal. I don't know the truth of that, but the truth is that the prisons and jails often do cut corners in actually spending on the meals because that is a budget item and the, the prisons and jails can save money by spending less. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I could see it, you know, that, that they are spending very, a very low amount. Um, there's a reason why our mark is doing so well, um, has such high profits, um, because they, they, they do tend to send some really low quality food to the prison. So you can understand why it costs less than a dollar. Oh yeah. And, and Aramark is one of our biggest food contractors with prisons. Aramark and Trinity are our two largest private prison food providers and both controversial prison meals end up being one of these reasons for prison riots around the country where inmates are fed up. They're pissed off. They've had enough of this prison food. They want better treatment. And like Aramark runs into this issue where like in Michigan, you see the, the state Senate minority leader has said a while back that the Aramark contract has been a nightmare since day one, where we get meal shortages, uh, there were maggots in the food. Some people were smuggling drugs and some Aramark workers were cut engaging in sex acts with inmates. And we get 176 Aramark workers end up being banned from prison property for engaging in transgressions as serious as hiring an inmate to assault another inmate. That, that's a, that's a, that's a, a unbelievable, you know, how often do you hear about outside workers coming into an institution saying, Hey, I want to, I want to hire you to take out another inmate because I had an issue with them out on the streets or something, or they gave me a hard time when I was delivering yeah. the food. That's outrageous. Yeah. Right. Can you involve, can you imagine involving yourself? In Absolutely that? Like, not. Like you're, you're just putting yourself into prison drama. No. no. And think about it as a, as a, you know, someone like you, like yourself who goes in and teaches inside the institutions, you going in and saying, Hey, uh, you know, this, this one was a student of mine before and I don't, don't care for him. So I want you to take him out. I mean, that, that's essentially what's going on there. <laughs> it's just awful. This is stuff of Hollywood. You can see where Hollywood gets their information from. You know, they're, they're, yeah, for what they, yeah, for they where can spin quite a yard. Yeah, exactly. We're going to watch this stuff on in a movie or, you know, some television series. And it's going to be like, oh, that's outrageous. Nobody from a food delivery company would hire an inmate. And they don't know what happened. That's real. Yeah, yeah that, that's real life. And this is just Aramark alone. The, the 176 workers were banned for all these transgressions. And we, we even get reports from your home state of Ohio. Saying that there's maggots in the food and they're not approving meal substitutions. Meal substitutions are absolutely important where we're letting people uh, be respected for their religious choices uh, for, for meals or um, 
like like vegetarian meals that, that kind of thing that falls in line with ohio though i mean uh we also have you know where they're not letting people you know <laughs> not respecting people's religion not respecting people in general maggots in the food <laughs> that's that that's a normal yeah that's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's what yeah, ohio's that's like ohio. you know that's thanksgiving <laughs> so why make the family come out to the east coast for thanksgiving <laughs> this is state pride yeah. um we, we also have trinity and another food food provider though, where Michigan ended up suing them or fining them over two million dollars for unauthorized meal substitutions, lack of staffing, all these other problems. And if, if looked down to Georgia, inmates there were actually reporting that they were being underfit by Trinity. Yeah, that's you got to wonder. You, you hear the the narrative or the story about oh, inmates going to jail to get fit. You know, they go to jail or they go to prison and they get in great shape and then they come out and then they're they're a worse criminal. I I just I have trouble believing that narrative just because you look at the 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 caloric intake, the you know the the quality of the food. It's just not they're they're not getting protein shakes. They're they're not getting these high quality meals. <laughs> um, you know, lots of chicken or seafood that that you need to get really strong. No, I could see an inmate going in and, and losing weight, and and maybe we could market that program. Maybe you know, it'd be the next form of Weight Watchers or something. It'd be an inmate weight loss program. We just put them in. Hey, you're going to get locked up for three months and we'll see how much weight you lose. Oh, yeah. This, this is like a weight loss yeah. challenge. Yeah. Be, you know, the biggest yeah. loser yeah, prison. three of us. Let's yeah, try the it. Biggest loser prison edition. Two, three, break! So with Aramark, Aramark ends up providing food for a number of different juvenile facilities. And Eric, you have children. How important is it to have good nourishing food for your children? I, I can tell you this. I, I know when talking with psychologists and psychiatrists, when they're first getting a patient, one of the first things they address with parents about children's behavior, if they're acting out, one of the first things they, hey, let's make sure they're getting, uh, getting a proper amount of protein. Because, you know, we don't want to have them on sugar highs and, you know, bouncing off the walls and then the crash from, from the sugar. Um, so just knowing that they're not getting in the, in these juvenile facilities, they're not getting the proper, uh, prison food or they're not getting the proper nutrition that they, that they need to, um, to maybe help balance them out throughout the day is, is, and help them grow because these, you know, these are juveniles we're talking about. Uh, it, that's a pretty negative situation i would think yeah for sure and these are children who are still cognitively developing they're still physically developing and and if our purpose behind juvenile rehabilitation centers is rehabilitation how do we expect them to be able to engage fully in the rehabilitation when they're put under these conditions absolutely and i think that when you said cognitively you know thinking about that frontal lobe which helps you know as that develops further and further it helps reduce you know the reduce that impulsivity in, in individuals. And if they're, if they're not developing cognitively, that's, that's just creating, uh, you know, an individual that's going to take longer and longer and they're going to stay within that, you know, that age crime uh, area that we don't want them to be at. We want them to age out, you know, in the, the mid twenties and not their thirties. Yeah. 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 For sure. Let's, let's get them out of this life of crime and Food is so important and we're not even talking about like it's it's general importance for for helping people get out of crime. This, it's not a conversation because people don't see the relationship between the two. 
between but food is so important to behavior i I think of i hate the uh expression hangry i I think hungry angry but um if if i hadn't have if i haven't had anything to eat in a while sure i'm not my best yeah but but i i think we need to talk about what you you don't like that expression of hangry That's good. I, I really don't like portmanteaus, like a like like a webinar. Yeah, it, it's a web seminar, right? <laughs> yeah. So so I, I like to break things up. Okay. So we gotta gotta make sure there's no no contractions going on here of any words that might. You know what about being succinct? And no. we're, we're getting the point across about what's happening here. Beck is hangry, <laughs> hungry, angry. Yeah. Could I uh, point out that you were on a podcast, an iPodcast? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Is cast short for something? Mm, Can't think of something. Um, I, uh, broadcast, yeah. iPod broadcast. Oh, iPod yep, broadcast. There you oh, go. this is perfect. Oh, you no. are listening to the Prison Breakdown iPodcast. iPod broadcast. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> but even iPod, I, I think it's it's the information pod, right? So it's... God, it's too long. Information pod broadcast. Broadcast. Yes, you got it. Okay. Nailed it. We did it. Good good job. <laughs> let's let's get, get back, back to, to physical and mental effects here. Yeah, so we, we got some physical and mental effects coming out of food. So we get some general effects from from the food because the, the prison food is generally high in salt and sugar and that's going to affect the functioning of inmate immune systems which increases their likelihood of getting sick and that's that's bad in general for being in such a highly populated area but that makes it even worse when there's something like covid sweeping through prisons makes makes their immune system go down they become more susceptible to it it, it lacks these nutrients it makes cuts harder to heal if you break a bone that's going to take longer to heal and it it impacts inmates relationship to food overall it can cause people to hoard or it can cause them to overeat once they get out of prison because they're not used to having enough it's feast and famine that idea for them where where the, it's famine and then they get out and they're going to want to feast yeah and we, and we all know that the the food that they do get it, you know it's going to be something on the on the cheaper end so you're looking at a lot of a lot of starches a lot of carb heavy food and we know what happens when you get too much of that. You do end up getting a tad bit sluggish. And, that, you know, that may, maybe that's what, uh, you know, Department of Corrections want. They want them sluggish in their cells. They don't want them over there with protein and vegetables and fruit getting strong and healthy. Um, but, you know, there, that does have, as you said, is a real impact on the immune systems and so if we're giving them bad food and the inmates are getting sick, if it's, you know, not allowing them to heal on time, well, we gotta, we're going to have increased health costs, which we know is a hell of a lot more expensive than, than healthy food. Right. And, and it, it hits us on the back end when they end up, older inmates end up with more health issues. And who's footing that bill? It's, it's us because we didn't want to pay for better food for them in the first place. Right. Right. We we end up with examples like uh, persistent hypertension, diabetes, uh, ulcers, kid problems, high cholesterol, hormonal imbalances, IBS, gallstones, thyroid issues, fragile teeth, bones, cancers, all these different health issues that in part can help be prevented by just giving better food. Yeah, and if you think about that list you just re- read off, uh, 
it just got to remind you about the those folks living in lower socioeconomic status here in the United States, you know, the, the, the same types of horrible food that they can afford because we don't subsidize healthy food in the United States. We're, you know, we're not subsidizing fruits and vegetables. We subsidize the, you know, corn and that's it that, that we use for high fructose corn syrup. And that's going to allow those horrible foods made with that. Um, and individuals who don't have a lot of money are going to be eating that. So the same types of things that you're talking about for poor people in the United States, people inside the institutions are dealing with it the, the exact same way. And boom, there go those higher health care costs. Yeah, exactly. So, so we end up just shooting ourselves in the foot because we don't want to take some preventative action to make people better. Yeah, well, you know, the way, way to think about it, we're going to pay, we're going to pay for this either, you know, it's, it's just like, you know, education here. <clears throat> if we're going to invest in education, we, we know that's going to help drive down the rate of crime a little bit and then hopefully keep folks out of prison. So we can either pay for it up front, which we don't like to do in the United States. We pay for it on the back end. We pay for prisons, which is a hell of a lot more expensive than paying for education. Well, we could pay for healthy food, but we'd rather not. We pay for the health care instead. Yeah, exactly. And, but which one's deeper? The, the Absolutely. food. Certainly. Absolutely. Our healthcare system is also broken. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that in another episode. But it, it's also giving inmates options for the, the foods they can buy, the ones they actually have access to in commissary. They're all highly processed. They're all, they're all things that will last. They don't want anything that's going to rot in your cell. Right. So anything that they're getting there is also probably high carb, high salt. Not great for right. you. Right, exactly. And when, when, when we have, we've seen this in the news as well, um, some places like Bristol County Jail, and um, not in our Bristol in Rhode Island, but in Bristol, Massachusetts, the, the Bristol County House of Correction there, um, they, they had an issue where inmates for a while there in 2018 were not getting any kind of fresh fruits or vegetables in their diets. And the jail eventually changed their policy and two days a week on Wednesday and on Friday, they would give them an apple. <laughs> is, is that apple enough? I thought we need one a day to keep the doctor away. <laughs> <laughs> you know, give him two a week. That's not going to work. Come on. Even I can do that math. Yeah, exactly. They, they are just, they're giving them not a lot of anything. They, they don't give them any kind of juice. They, they don't get any kind of coffee. Uh, they, they just get these like artificially colored drinks, often like potatoes, bread, cake, and the same meals where we just get this carbohydrate count that's through the roof and nothing actually nourishing people in the meantime. Like you said, they, you, you want more sluggish inmates if, if you're running a, a jail. And I'd, I'd heard that put out there by inmates and staff like, but the, the lack of nutrition food is going to impact your mental health. It's going to impact your behavior. It might make for more misconduct in the prison, make, might make, which makes for these more unsafe environments. And people who feel as though they're being treated by like animals and just warehouse will act out. But treating people with respect, giving them what, like fulfilling these proper human needs can make them feel like a human. And then they're going to act more human towards other people. Yeah, absolutely. You got to, we, we know that one of the, when, whenever there, there's inmate complaints, there's a lot of lawsuits, there are um, uh, riots that occur, and one of the biggest complaints we hear about is the food. And um, you know, they feel like they are being fed 
like you talked about having that brake pad burger um, you know, with oats in it, they feel like everything they're getting is, uh, is for, uh, for livestock. And so, um, <laughs> you know, and, um, and I'm sure there are plenty of people in society that say, well, they don't need that good food. They don't need high quality food, but they, they have to remember these individuals while yes, they are being punished for committing a crime, most likely are going to end up back on the streets. And don't you want to a person to come back out that's in a better spot than when they went in. And if we're, you know, this is all, everything's connected with, with the food. And if it, if they're not coming out, um, in a better spot when, because of food, um, you know, health, you know, it, we know it's hard to focus. So if they're in a, if they're in a program, uh, some type of rehab program, if they're not able to focus, if they're, cause they're not eating well, um, they're not going to get as much out of it. No, certainly not. And, and with, these carb heavy foods we also see it's like three quarters of people who are in state and federal prisons are overweight and that means when they get out the outside they're going to have potentially more health problems in their community that's a problem because these are also people who are most the most likely to be unable to pay for adequate health care so it would just be cheaper on the whole to serve good and healthy food rather than pay for medical treatment absolutely and you know, I'm I'm sure one of the things while what, that you saw while you were working in an institution is individuals, you know, lining up for that to see the the you know the the nurse or the bill call or in you know, the doctor, whatever. Um, the you know, I worked in a small prison. There was only about 500 inmates, and that line was long every single day. Every morning, there was a line of inmates there waiting to see the nurse or the doctor. Um, and, you know, part of it was, you know, insulin, you know, we have these individuals that, you know, in terms of obesity, they're dealing with that. So um, it is a real issue inside the institutions and when they return to, to free society. Oh, for sure. And as, as we know, like looking at healthcare and healthcare issues over the past few years in America, it's been this systemic problem that insulin is not cheap. Not no. America, Canada, you right? Can get exactly. Here, no, absolutely not. Maybe that's what we need. We need some of these Department well, you, of Corrections you, to just start going north of the border. You know, some of the, you know, like why doesn't Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont? Why don't they just head up there and get their insulin there and save, you know, thousands of dollars for the Department of Corrections? Maybe even millions based on how many inmates need it. Yeah, right. We'll just have them break off into Canada <laughs> yeah. for, uh, for for just the inmate right, welfare, right? I don't think they'd get in any trouble for that, would they? They they just come back to their constituents and say, "Hey, look, we went up here to save save money for you, save you tax dollars." Yes, exactly. That's how we sell it. <laughs> yes, if you look at the bottom line, it, so often that's what people care about, and our prisons end up costing. I believe the figure is over fifty billion dollars a year, and that's that's paying staff, that's housing inmates, feeding inmates, clothing inmates, and Healthcare for inmates is such a big one. And again, those healthcare costs, we, we have the opportunity to do something about it if, if people were just willing to spend a little more money to give healthier yeah, food. Just a little, little something up front for, for, for a little bit healthier food. And same, like I said, same thing goes for free society in the States. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, now if we're going to look at like policy recommendations, what we can actually do about this issue. Producer Britt, what would you do about it? Um, 
uh, I don't know, properly fund prisons. <laughs> uh, what does that What does that mean to you? <laughs> properly funding prisons, just enough to give well, better food. You know, um, I, I, I'm, you know, you know me. I'm a prison abolitionist, so I think they should be eating food at home with uh, proper monitoring and things like that. But uh, yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of ways to fix a situation. Uh, they just haven't tried any of them. I don't think. No, I don't think it, you know you get a lot of support for the idea of you know prison abolition. That you know, well, we got probably a third or or forty percent of this country that would you know like to just lock them up, throw away the key, right? So forget about Tough keeping them crime. home. Yeah, exactly. Or, or if you bring up the idea of what they do in in Scandinavia, where they have uh, far more friendly institutions in terms of. The setups in the cells are more like apartments or dorm rooms than they are cells, and Americans just lose their minds when they watch those videos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I lose my mind. When I watch those <laughs> it, it's it's so frustrating that we don't do something more in line with uh, like like looking at humanitarian prisons that actually give people tools, and then we look at we look at the recidivism rates in those countries, and we see oh people actually commit less crime after they get out. It's re- Radical. Why don't we adopt Radical. more Radical. You know, you treat people like humans and they act more like humans. It's mind-blowing that we don't see that and think, oh, we can do that too. No, we got to punish and bring back chain gangs. and you know, Or what, what did, our, what did uh, our ex-pres just say? If people are, are caught shoplifting, shoot them. And that what he wants to do? We'll get back to that. I, I know that he got some clickbait for that comment, but uh, yeah, people are people are <laughs> people are caught shooting, caught you know stealing. I, you know, I think what he's trying to do is play on the fears of you know all the, the you know the the folks that are watching the um, the news that are seeing all these smash and grabs that they just keep replaying over and over, and they say, oh, you can just shoot them when they come out. So you, you know that's going to be the next thing that occurs is somebody's going to be waiting out there in California. When this occurs, they're just going to pull up with a gun. And you're like, well, you know, our, our good friend President Trump told us to do it. Oh, yeah. And and we know that it's not going to be like a white guy they shoot either. Right. He's, he's, he's got enough dog whistles built into anything Absolutely. that he's saying that it's, it of course, going to be somebody from a community of color. In fact, Absolutely. Absolutely terrible. So... I, I touched on people from communities of color just now, but um, they, they're the persons who are most severely impacted by this and that they're, they're disproportionately in our prison system. So we see, we see more people disproportionately affected by prison food, but they're also the most impacted on the outside too, by impacted by hunger, by, by poor food access, by diet-related illness and other problems with our food systems. So... We need more food justice. Uh, they're, they're more likely to be targeted and incarcerated, so they get bad food in and outside. I, I, I love that. I love that so, little term you just gave there, food justice. You know that this that concept of that alone is 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 phenomenal. You, you know, maybe we could come up with a you know a contraction of that, and it could you know help fight the hangry people out there food justice and who knows <laughs> but i i love that it's hungry angry <laughs> well it's it's you know it is something that is you know obviously you know a worldwide issue that we're we're talking about here when we talk about food justice and you know 
understand, you know, that, that we are, we are so spoiled here in the United States with what we have access to, not, not that we can all get it, but there, you know, the availability of, of this high quality fruits and vegetables and meat that we have access to that a lot of people throughout the world don't. And then we take a segment of our population, put them away and we restrict that from them even when we can do it. Um, so I, I love this idea of food justice. Oh, for I, sure. You know, I, I think that's, I think it's a, it's a, it's a real, uh, you know, strong cause, but you know, again, we won't have people getting behind it for our inmates. No, absolutely not. And we need more people even getting behind it on the outside. It, there's issues like, like on the South side of Chicago, which is a, a much more predominantly black area. They, there were issues a few years back about like, they were opening a whole foods and uh, like getting the support for it. And wondering if they would have the audience for it we need it, it was a, an area that was more of a food desert where people were getting food from like corner stores corner stores are not known for having like great right. produce right it's we need healthy and sustainable food for persons in need especially persons of minority right. groups and we need to like look at the systemic roots of any of these racial inequities and put out this this like Hey, food, health food should be a human right. It should be a basic human right, which means everybody gets it as a human right, even right. inmates. Right. And, and I mean, hell, look at the trouble we have just getting it in the schools. You know, we bring up free breakfast, free lunch for, for kids um, across the country and, you know, getting something healthy in there. Um, boy, if, you know, when Michelle Obama made that part of her, you know, her, her, pol you know, her, her mission being first lady. Boy, that was talk about radical socialism and communism. Um, you know, folks don't don't really want to have poor people eating healthy. No, it, somehow conservatives have spun this into an issue of we we should not be giving free meals to kids, but kids are kids absolutely need it. And if your parents cannot afford food. There, there should be no shame associated with getting free lunches. It's, it's absolutely right. Well, if you need free food, you, you just need to work harder as a kid, <laughs> that's, that's, you know, get out there and start working in a sweatshop, you know, and, and um, back to the mines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You heard it here first. Eric Bronson advocates child, child labor. labor. Yes, get him to work. Food. I've got two. <laughs> One is really big and strong. The other one has great endurance. He can work all damn day. Let's get him to work in those mines. <laughs> this sounds like some of his lithium, lithium batteries labor. for everyone. <laughs> Two, three, break. Uh, so, um, where were we? Um, <laughs> As far as policy recommendations, uh, one one other thing that we can do is there are there there's some facilities that end up like self-sustaining. If we look up in Charleston, Maine, at the Mountain View Correctional Facility, here we've got a facility that grows fresh vegetables, herbs, and fruit, and prisoners eat the produce that they grow. And any extra food that goes to other prisons throughout Maine. So we end up teaching them something. They they end up taking this master gardener course and it's it's in a partnership with university of maine and it allows inmates to complete these volunteer service hours while they're in prison 
And so they're they're more set to go when it comes time for them to be released, where they actually end up with like some community service under their belt. They they end up with this master gardener certificate and they, they get all the hours needed for certification. So they get something on release and they know how to garden. That's a that's a very valuable well, skill. For I, people. I think this whole thing starts off with just the name of the facility itself, Mountain View Correctional Facility. I mean, doesn't that sound like a place where they would learn how to garden? I mean, that actually sounds like a place you might want to, you know, go vacation at Mountain View Correctional Facility. I mean, it's not it's not a very there's not a lot of deterrence in that name, Mountain View, is there? <laughs> it's just no, There's not. But but uh, producer Britt and I are both from Anchorage, where the, maybe the most disadvantaged area in all of Anchorage is Mountain, Mountain View. View. Mm-hmm. So that's not a yeah. desirable name for you yeah. because it, you all don't appreciate people being able to see mountains, huh? You're so spoiled <laughs> by them around you at all times, Mount Rainier, right? And, oh. I mean, technically, every place in Alaska has a mountain view, so... Uh-huh. So we take a strong anti-mountain stance here. Right? I, I like mountain blind is my, my, uh, that's well, my as, as someone stance. who lived in the uh, high desert plains of Texas, I, I always appreciate a mountain view. That's why I just look at the, oh, Mountain View Correctional Facility. That sounds like a great place to stay. But the, the idea of this, of this course, um, this learning opportunity is, is phenomenal. And then obviously it benefits the, the inmates in terms of having a healthy option for them to to eat um, and it's great that they are they're able to send all this throughout the, the rest of the department of corrections in maine yeah so, so it's not only that though they, they end up with even more positive benefits like these gardening programs and even cooking programs in that prison they've been linked to these increases in self-esteem resilience and strong interpersonal relationships and a decrease in violence in the prison. So win, win, win across the board there. They get these skills that can help them out after release and the facility itself saved over $125,000 in waste hauling fees by just improving food quality and composting. And that, that was just savings for one year. Think about what that would look like compounded with more prints doing that over the course of yeah, several years. That, that, that part of it alone is, has got to be fantastic for the taxpayers thinking about, I mean, that's, that's a significant amount of money. And I'm sure as they build this program, it, it, you know, expand on it, they're going to save even more. Right. And who would be against this? Nobody should be against no. something like this where inmates are getting skill or they're growing fresh food. They're, they have access to good food. And we, we see that the, the food manager at Mountain View Correctional Facility, he formed these relationships with some farmers and producers so that they could actually acquire some grains and dairy and eggs and stuff that the, the prison didn't do on its own. And through that, they, they still managed to come in over $100,000 under budget while providing the facility with fresh and nutritious food that hits all the, all the food groups. That it's absolutely phenomenal. That, you know, just, I mean, again, nothing but positive, but I'm sure there's somebody who's going to, oh, this is coddling to inmates. They shouldn't have access to these things. Send this somewhere else. Um, yeah, but it's, just, it's a great program. And uh, Eric, have you been to the Northeastern Correctional Facility, the NECC and Concord, Massachusetts. No, I have not. It, it's a facility. It's a minimum facility, and there they they teach inmates food prep skills, and they also teach inmates like uh, skills as servers and all these different aspects of of working in the kitchen. And you you go there, and I think it's three dollars a meal. You can 
you can go it's, they, they actually run a restaurant i believe it's the only one like it where your your food is cooked by inmates you're served by inmates and inmates get something out and, of that so, too why not, and why it's not absolute, do more that model? It, so it's like a restaurant where you can go and be served by by inmates this sounds like a this sounds like a class trip i, I think we need to get our students together and make a trip it sounds like a fantastic <laughs> trip I, I'm all all on board. I I did research there for a while and and was able to stop into the restaurant and the, the food is not anything spectacular from my recollection, but it is it's it's so good and nourishing and it gives inmates a chance to try out skills. Yeah, I, I I think we need to go, even if we don't take the students, we'll we'll just go. Next time Britt's out here on the East Coast, well the three of us can head there. Yeah, let's make it interesting. Um, so that, that's one thing that we can do for food justice, like, like what they're doing with Mountain View Correctional Facility. But we also need to think about like juveniles, going back to juveniles and what, what we can do for them. Uh, we need to focus on some facilities that account for large numbers of minority groups or facilities and locations that have some serious racial issues. And if we start with only a few facilities, we can, we can start at the ones that the most impact. But some policy interventions that we use, they should address requirements for food directly. And we should set specific standards that every meal should meet. Um, and a lot of the time, this is already in place, but we don't know that these standards are actually met. We should have a standard definition for what we think nutrition means and what these standards are. We should have no confusion and there should just be this consistency throughout institutions to make sure that everyone is getting actual nutritious food of the of at least similar quality across institutions. Yeah, that's that's one one, one of Why the other things that? we got to think about is the the inconsistency um, between states and institutions. Um, and when it comes to uh, a lot of these juvenile institutions, when they when they're compared to the adult level institutions, they they're really being hung out to dry when it comes to resources. Um, and obviously, if uh, they're not being funded, one of the places they're going to cut corners is on the food. So. Um, th this is, you know, th this would be a great policy, uh, to get implemented, uh, in all States is that there is that minimum quality that needs to be met and that there is consistency throughout all the institutions. Totally agree. And Hey, here's a, here's a fun thought experiment. If, if you were an administrator and you were not able to meet the budget, what, what, what do you say first? Boy, I don't, I don't know. You start. I, I sure as heck wouldn't cut food. I, you know, I, I'd have to find some some other things to cut. But if if we're if we're running up short on on funds, it's it's not going to be the food. You you gotta you gotta find a you know you know basic way to keep people healthy inside the institution because you know like you like you brought up earlier with with COVID. Um, boy, when when that hit and people were malnourished and exposed to uh, COVID, uh, that led some really, really sick inmates and higher, higher healthcare costs. Um, so I think that's one of the things again, is we can put money up front, uh, in the food and maybe save on in other areas. Um, but I sure as heck wouldn't be cutting food. Yeah. Very much. Likewise. Uh, now have you ever heard of a hunger strike happening in prison? Oh yeah. Yeah. You, we read about those all the time, right? Um, you know, especially in other countries um, where the media seems to will we'll pay attention to inmates and prisons and what's going on a whole lot more than we do here in the United States. But uh, 
you know, um, I think here in the United States, there's just too many other things that draw us away from what's happening there. But you, you do hear of them happening from time to time. Yeah. And, and what causes these hunger strikes? Do you know? I just think that people get fed up, fed up with situations where the food has just been so awful for so long or so uh, mounted church, um, you know, in terms of, uh, of what they're getting. Um, or they're just, you know, they're not getting enough of it or meals being skipped because uh, you hear about that from time to time. Or, uh, you know, another example, of, uh, you know, which which I know you would love, Mr. Early Riser, is like in the state of Texas where they mm-hmm. feed their inmates at, you know, breakfast at 430 in the morning. <laughs> you don't get up. Well, you don't eat breakfast. Well, why do you think they're doing that? It's because they get to save a lot of money because they're done serving breakfast by 530 and the inmates can just stay in bed and skip it because they don't have to be up until six thirty or seven to go start their day. So, um, they're able to skip out on a lot of meals. Good grief. Like, like even thinking about eating at, at four thirty <laughs> yeah, in the morning. You've only been asleep for two yeah. hours at that time, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's my problem is I, I don't want that kind of snack, like to wake up for a snack like that and go back to bed. That's a, that's heavy. Yeah, singing. you mad waking up that early while you're now, locked up to go eat some subpar breakfast. Yeah. Pass. Right. There were a lot of the inmates I talked to down there uh, when I was doing noon research in Texas that told me they skip breakfast because it's just not worth it. And so they eat lunch, um, right around, I believe it was 1030 and then, uh, dinner was at four in the afternoon. Um, so they were really relying on that commissary in the evening to help get them through each day. Yeah. It, and many don't have the funds to, to get themselves much on commissary either. Though. Right. Like, a lot of people will qualify maybe just for like indigent right. items, like the, the soap and toilet paper, that kind of stuff. But right. It, it, it should be maybe more of a right and less of a, Hey, if, if you have extra money, we're going to overcharge you for what yeah, you're going to get. Absolutely. I know one of the days that the prison I was, you know, working at, we, you know, every once in a while we'd bring in stuff for them from the outside or, uh, some of the, uh, inmate groups such as, uh, veterans of foreign war or, um, you know, the, uh, NAACP, they'd have events where they would do fundraisers and they sell you know, pizzas to other inmates. But again, you're still looking at inmates who can afford to to pay for it. Exactly. And, and now the worst of all prison foods, I, I, as we wind down, I, I want to discuss the worst of all prison foods. Have either of you ever heard of neutral loaf? No. Yes. <laughs> I think you, you told me a little bit about it in the past, but I don't remember the specifics. Uh, it's neutral loaf, otherwise known as the loaf. Um, <laughs> So it's often fed to inmates who throw food or inmates who get violent. Producer Britt, yeah. what can you tell me about neutral loaf? Do you know anything? Um, it's something like a meatloaf, but with minimal meat. Um, uh, from what I understand, it's kind of just a kitchen sink uh, food with just a bunch of crap in it. <laughs> yes, that's exactly it. <laughs> so... It's um, prisons and jails are allowed to come up with their own version of neutral loaf. So it, it's it's often like grinding up your leftovers into a loaf. Mm. Uh, so some some will make it out of scratch. They'll use like shredded and mashed vegetables, beans, starches. It it still doesn't sound good, but it, it does give you your your like adequate nutrients from it. Um, 
some places will like like food loaf in Pennsylvania State Prison will be made with like milk and rice and potatoes and carrots, cabbage, oatmeal, beans, margarine. And then it's totally different if you look in like the jail in Washington where they might make it with those ingredients, plus they throw in some ground beef or chicken, some apples and tomatoes. Either way, it's like putting all your food in a blender. And then if we like somehow solidified that 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 gunk that it spits out. <laughs> I, I believe the way. proper term is gr- gruel. Gruel. Gunk. Gruel. Yes. I, I always think of gruel as more of an oatmeal type consistency. This is this is like a, a loaf consistency. It, it looks like a bread. Uh, so it's in the shape of a of a of a of a small loaf of bread. This this is interesting. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, we we should do a, a food tasting on here. See if we can find yeah. a good recipe online to make ourselves some neutral there, loaf. There we go. There we go. We could get some volunteers to come and taste it because we don't need to do that. We can make them taste it. <laughs> and get their opinion. How does how does the average Roger Williams University student feel about <laughs> this neutral loaf? Oh yes. <laughs> See, that would be, that'd be quite something. Yeah. I, I don't, I got to find a way to get our hands on some of that. We'll have a, <laughs> we'll have a special podcast, live, live podcast with, with students. <laughs> All I'm tasting of just like bleh <laughs> and spitting out and vomiting. <laughs> Eat like an inmate day. Let, let them experience, let them see what, you know, and, and that will help them appreciate even more what they have at the commons and the, our wonderful food we have on our campus. <laughs> We'll learn to appreciate what they exactly. Have. Two, three, break. So that's that's all I've got on food. Either of you have any any comments on prison food? You'd like to wrap well, up. What with? I I got a question for you, Professor Straw. Is what hit me? What is your favorite food that you ever consumed? While working at prison, do you have any favorites that you can go back to? Yo, this is easy. Taco Tuesday. Taco Tuesday. Hands down. <laughs> that, that, was, that was here close by in Massachusetts. Um, in terms of my favorite food, when I was working in a jail and we actually had inmate food, it was definitely white rice. <laughs> that was the only thing I would trust. <laughs> Hitting t- talk about were, hitting a, a bland starch right there, right? <laughs> yeah, if you add some hot sauce, it's not so bad. It's uh. it, it adds a little something. Everything else was much more questionable. I I like to have an idea of where my foods come from and what it contains, and uh, a lot of the time you don't. Hmm. Um, speak speaking of hot sauce, uh, I got a question for y'all. What uh, kind of condiments are typically available in a prisoner jail? Well. So in, in Kentucky, we didn't have all the fancy salad bar and probably condiments that, that uh, Beck uh, inmates had up here in Massachusetts, but definitely uh, you had ketchup and mustard and hot sauce from time to time, I believe, but uh, I don't remember anything special standing out for, for our inmates. Now, to, to be clear, the, the, the Taco Tuesday and the, the salad bar, th- those were staff meals. In- inmates did not get anything near that. It was standard hamburger patty, cornbread, that kind of stuff. Uh, what I've generally seen, salt and pepper. That's that's the kind of stuff that they might have, like the little packets. <laughs> Those are not condiments. I was going to say, that, that sounds like I a white person condiment, condiment to me. 
<laughs> gonna make salt it is not a white person condiment. <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> I'm gonna spice it up with some salt. <laughs> I, I've never actually seen anything more than that. I, I've also never gotten the chance to sit in a mess hall. I, any any prisons I've, I've toured, the the I, I get to see a mess hall, but I never actually get to see it buzzing. I never get to see it in action. And so most of the time it's trays that you see delivered to a unit and it really doesn't come with much besides the trays themselves. Interesting. When I was, I was thinking about where, so I did some of my research at in Ohio, the Lima Correctional Center um, out in Northwest Ohio. Um, I do remember for some reason, when one of the days I was there, I got to go eat, um, having a fantastic hamburger. <laughs> that of course came with just meat and bread and they did give you the option to, I remember that you could get some ketchup or mustard if you wanted for your burger. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, that, that's, there's not a long list of condiments. I don't believe now, now maybe there is up in mountain view in Maine. Yeah. I, I, I have to hope for them that may, maybe they've got a homemade ketchup or an aioli or something that they can put together. Right. Right. Well, and then, you know, when they're back in their cell making their spreads, who knows what, you know, what kind of condiments they have or what, what's available at the commissary that they might sneak over to, um, over to their cell for later on at night on the, uh, you know, when they're out there and they're, they're uh, you know, making their spreads and they're sharing their food, selling their foods with their, with their ramen noodles. Oh, these guys can be incredibly creative. I, I was looking at... A, a list of what inmates can buy recently mm -hmm. and there's there's often the, these 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 pouches of things that they can buy like uh they, they can buy different seasonings they can buy sriracha sauce they can buy you know, coffee creamer cinnamon soy sauce bacon bits minced onions mayonnaise peanut butter so they, they can buy all these things but it, it costs them money this this doesn't doesn't come with meal at the at the prison and i don't know how inclined people are going to be to want to pay like you know 80 cents for a couple of soy sauce packets when they're earning maybe 40 cents an hour i think that's a much tougher sell right and i think that's one of the things we need to do an episode on sometime in the future is just the commissary uh, the items available and the outrageous prices that they have going along with it um but yeah you'll see i, I forget the the one that i that i remember inmates used to do in kentucky with uh, Cheetos, they'd get some Cheetos and they'd mix it up in a bag with all kinds of different things and it, they eat it you know, with a spoon like it was some kind of cereal or something. I, it, you know, That cannot taste good, but they swore up and down it was phenomenal. They swear by this stuff. It, oh, yeah. like, I, I'm inclined to believe them. I'm not inclined to try it. I'm inclined to believe that <laughs> yeah. they know what they're talking about. Yeah. Okay, so my next little question about food is do you have a favorite uh, food-related prison story? Because I've got a fun one. Hit me with yours. Okay. Let, so let me see if I can come up with something. Um, right after I stopped working at the prison there in Kentucky at the Green River Correctional Complex, uh, talking with some of my friends who were still there, they told me of the story of an inmate who went over uh, to the cafeteria um, and uh, was working or the dining hall, I guess we should call it. It's not cafeteria. That sounds too much like it's too enjoyable and, <laughs> and school-like, right? So this... Um, this inmate was working in the dining hall and um, I guess was never caught. 
for some time, but he was an inmate who would come back and run a spread store on the cell block. And what he was doing was stealing food from the dining hall, getting back and making sandwiches for inmates out of his cell. And he was normally stealing the food uh, at dinner time. Uh, and one time he just got a little bold or I guess needed something. And so he decided to steal um, some bologna during lunch. And, and I, I, you have to remember the, the way they ship these, these, you know, pounds of bologna to these institutions, what the original packaging is. It's, it looks like a, a sausage on super steroids. I mean, it's just this enormous hot dog, right? And, and then they slice it from there. So this inmate uh, was starting to walk out of the dining hall and an officer saw him. Well, once he realized that this officer knew what was going on, that he had something in his, in, under his clothes, under his, uh, you know, because there we didn't have uniforms. Uh, he was he was hiding something. He took off across the the grass. Well, for those of you who have never been inside an institution, you know you don't you know you stay on the sidewalk as an inmate. You don't walk across the grass. And so this caused a bunch of staff to run after him. He got back to his cell, and when they got there, they couldn't find the food. Um, he beat him to the cell, and eventually they they tossed the cell and found out he was storing food in his mattress. He was sleeping on cheese bologna and bread <laughs> so, so yeah that's he had his own little store his little deli <laughs> inside his cell it was great that guy's a folk hero yeah exactly yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, right? I'm gonna yeah he's like a robin hood of food you know he's a reuben hood <laughs> a Ru- is what he is <laughs> the reuben hood of green river correctional <laughs> complex <laughs> love it that that is pretty good and and people were still buying these foods knowing that he was sleeping on them Correct. every night? Correct. They, they were, he had pulled the stuffing out of his mattress and had the, the food inside his mattress pad. We could all take a page out of his book, I, I think. Uh, I think there's something to sleeping on your food. <laughs> yeah, maybe if there's a you know, nice brisket that's been on the ground... <laughs> like they do down south and they, i could you know they cover it back up with dirt and then have a fire in the pit and right i could sleep on that warm ground but uh, i don't know i don't know that i could sleep on any food i, I think neutral loaf sounds like like my ideal food to sleep on <laughs> i mean it, it sounds like it tastes like a mattress so right. yes well you know that could be uh, the next my the next my pillow <laughs> I think it's the current pillow. <laughs> well, don't call it lumpy because that sets them off. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, sorry, sorry. <laughs> lumpy um, neutral loaf. My, my, it, the prison story that comes to mind for me is food adjacent. I'm, I'm working the maximum psych unit, and uh, there's there's a guy who's been. He's been experiencing some psych issues lately, and I'm, I'm, I'm going around dropping off trays at each of the inmates' cells. And for, for inmates who were kept in our extreme psych unit in Washington, they were kept in their cell 23 hours a day, and they were delivered meals in their cells. So as corrections officers, that was part of our job. Inmates would come up with a cart full of trays. I would take the trays off and then we would deliver them to inmates and they're delivered to inmates through what we call a cuff port. It's a, a small rectangular hole in your prison 
cell door. Uh, we open it and we use the same port to cuff people behind their back before we take them out so that we know they're not a danger. Now, uh, this guy had been known for, um, his room had to be cleaned about once a day uh, because he he would sometimes uh, throw his feces around. <laughs> and I, I'm delivering, I, I come in, I'm about to deliver his tray to him and I reach in to open up his cuff port and my glove hand goes squish uh, oh. because he had spread his mm. poop all over the inside of the handle. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that was a that was a real moment for me. Gotcha. Um, when when I thought maybe I, I don't want to be doing this for the next twenty years. Uh, <laughs> you know, with, with, with respect to the people who do the job, it's it, it was it was something that really made me think twice. Yeah, yeah. That, that's uh, that's a real surprise there. <laughs> not the not the kind of cool surprise like meatloaf surprise. It, it's, uh... <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So food indirectly involved, but it it's still the best food story I yeah, can come yeah, up no, with that's, right now. That's a good one. That's a good one. And I think that's a great place to close out. That sounds good. All right. Thank you for listening. Again, I've been Professor Beck Straw. And this is Professor Eric Bronson. And Producer Britt. Uh, that, that's it for this episode. Uh, don't forget to rate and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. And that's Lights Lights Out, out inmates. Inmates. Thanks for listening.